Episode 286, The Rant, Kerry Connolly, head coach at St. Joseph's College on Long Island. Talking to Coach Connolly, it was evident his passion that he has for coaching the game of basketball. In this pod, we discuss his come up playing sports, his time at Holy Trinity High School, his coaching stints far and wide, what he learned being on the bench at Lujai, and becoming a collegiate coach himself. All that and more, my conversation with Coach Connolly now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by The Irrefutable Magazine. Co-editor in design Kevin Sparrick and co-editor at large Ralph Fernolis decided to combine both of their talents in writing and illustrations to bring to you a new online experience from an official's perspective. They both ref, but it's deeper than officiating. They create art for all time. Do you think your brand would be a good fit for The Irrefutable Magazine audience? Want to advertise with us? Visit us at theirrefutable.com slash sponsors for more information. We are the irrefutable. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest. And first, I just wanted to acknowledge that I'm at a place that has raised me in the basketball officiating game. Uh, something that I chose over softball or in flag football, where I laid down my roots in my basketball career. I'm at Island Garden. It's... Uh, I feel like deep reverence of just being here, but I'm with the special guest who has been uh, associated with Island Garter for a slew of years, probably too many to count, but we'll, we'll get into that. Amazing coach, and, and I'll just say that because I, I got the pleasure to watch him on Sunday do his thing. Um, the current head coach of the St. Joseph's Golden Eagles on the women's side, Mr. Kerry Connolly. How are you, my friend? I'm good, man. What's that going good? on? That was a little scary for you. Um, a little bit. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to have you. Uh, I, I definitely like to delve deep into people that really care about um, women's sports specifically. Um, I'm, a, I'm a deep defender of that. I've been coaching a girls volleyball team at Kellenberg Memorial High School. This would have been my 21st season, and hopefully we have our 21st, the start of our 21st season in March. Got a daughter. I'm a women's college basketball official, so it like means a lot, um, especially the people that you know treat it right. And I'll always say, like, being a basketball coach, that's God's work. Like volleyball is like we don't yell at the refs and yeah. we do a lot of our, our dirt in practice. So that way the girls are like, they feel like it's pleasurable to play the game. Basketball, I feel like it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. It was just too much and just managing minutes. It's just like a different thing than volley, volleyball. But, you know, I respect that. But nonetheless, man, welcome to the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, so. A little nervous. but nah, don't be nervous, yeah. man. I think what's crazy this whole time, I think about the Sunday, and let's go back to, um, you know, when I saw you on the court and you were coaching and I was filming different things for Ireland Garden. I was thinking about a normal Sunday, 
of just like if it, if it was normal mm-hmm. and I'm officiating, I'm definitely not here. I'm reffing flag football, 100%. Yeah. Right? That's what I do every Sunday morning. So for me to be like, yo, I'm here Sunday morning. You're there with masks on and you know the normal bustle of Island Garden, right? Like pre-coronavirus, this place was court one, court two, court three. Anything and everything could probably be happening. I'm probably maybe refing like at two o'clock, but that's not what it is now. It's these little clinics. Yeah. It's all these socially distant things. There's, you know, a lot of procedures over here in order for you to just get past and go to the court. And you've got to think about, you know, parents, they're dying for their kids to do something. And I think the coronavirus has just been the great equalizer. You would have been coaching and. Yeah. I probably would have had a practice or a game or something along the lines of St. Right. Joseph's, but. Unfortunately, with Corona and everything kind of going on, everything was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. A little bit different. Yeah. Even my schedule is totally different now. Right. And so. I'm, I'm sure. And it's the same thing for me. I would be refing all the... I couldn't even... At this point, I, I can't even fathom how I was able to keep this afloat while I was refing because I was refing all the time and I was still keeping this afloat. Now it's like, I spent so much time doing all of this now. It's like, I don't even know if I'm ever going to... Um, call technical foul on you. You know what I'm saying? Like as much as I want to, not not that I want to, but it's like I want to no, you deserve to be on the same floor like like with you. But um, speaking of the coronavirus, since everything did get upended and you're still coaching somehow, some way, yeah. um, how are you during, doing during the pandemic? How's your family doing? And um, when was the moment that you took all of this like real serious? Um, real serious? I mean, it's so long ago. But back in March... Obviously, the NBA got shut down that one night. I think it was OKC and Utah. Utah, yep. Yeah, so that was a little mind-blowing that the NBA decided to kind of shut it down. But I was about to go on a trip the day after that. So I was going on a trip. Um, Me and my buddies always go on March, watch March Madness. It was one of my buddies' bachelor parties. We were going down to Florida. And I was getting ready to fly out the day after that, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the first day of the Big East tournament. So it was all those, you know, high-seeded games. So I'm about to watch it on TV right before I leave. Mm-hmm. Delay, delay, delay. I get picked up, and I was like, yo, I don't think they're going to play. And lo and behold, they canceled Big East tournament. I think Big Ten came next. The Ivy League had already shut that down. Were you shocked when all that happened? I mean, yeah, because nobody knew, you know, I, back then it was like, oh, it'll be a week, two weeks. And I was like, okay, like maybe they'll just push stuff back, we'll mm-hmm. be back in two weeks, we'll be ready to go. And then I was down in Florida that week that everything was kind of, spi- not spiking up, but like more news was coming out on it. And now that I look back about like, not that we were doing anything crazy or anything, but like we were just living normal, like we were going out to dinner and we go out after just hanging around the house. Mm-hmm. And then we come back here and it's like, oh, no, we're like, we're probably going to get shut down. And I was like, geez, you know, we were just at a bachelor party in Florida, mm-hmm. nonetheless, the, the one state. Yeah. Had a little bit of an issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I hear that they um, I, don't, I think they just like having the issue. <laughs> it's, it's almost like they like being in the news. Mm-hmm. Like they enjoy that. But I mean, it was it was pretty frightening. And then, you know, last year, I wasn't at St. Joe's yet, so we're getting ready to go into AAU season. And everything kept getting, you know, pushed back a little bit, pushed back a little bit, pushed back a little bit. And then finally it was just like, you know, what are we doing? Mm. So, but it was definitely scary. My family was good. You know, my mom and my dad kept working. They took some time off. 
Uh, my dad works in the city, so he he kind of kept going, but he he was he was he was nervous about it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an older guy. My mom works at a doctor's office, so she's got it you know full blown. They got tested kind of early. My sister works in healthcare in Chicago, so she's you know kind of going. She was kind of full blown it. So for me, it wasn't. You know, I was working before I got to St. Joe's. I was just doing some basketball stuff and working at Sherwin Williams paint. So like, I wasn't like I got to keep my job, so I was good. Mm-hmm. But you know, thinking back at it, I was like, I, you know, I should have. I kind of if if I wasn't working, I'd probably be making more money on uh, <laughs> with unemployment. But. That's the last four digits of your social talking. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I, I was so happy that I kept my job, so I yeah. keep working. And I was like, nah. But I, there's no way I could be able. to Yeah, they're about stay to get that extra. Right? Three hundred dollars a week. Yeah, probably no. gonna miss that wave. Uh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> dang. But it, yeah. I mean, it hasn't worked itself out yet. But mm-hmm. you know, I feel like we're in a little bit of a better place. Obviously, the numbers are spiking up again. But yeah. you know, I feel like for the most part, people are kind of doing that what they have to do. And mm-hmm. I know I am. And my family is, and my school is, and you know, our season got canceled. But you know, we're kind of doing everything we can to just keep the kids safe, keep ourselves safe, and. Hopefully in a few months, maybe. Yeah. We'll be in a better place. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I, I just know for, from the referee's perspective, I think about all the, all of my compadres, we'd be on one of these courts or somewhere. And that's just, it's, it's probably unnerving when that's like the forefront of your identity. You know, I think a lot of people that I know in the officiating community, I mean, like the, the camaraderie is the top thing that we all do this for. You know, we, Love being part of that team. And we always wanted to say, especially like to a coach like you, like, you know, the reason why we officiate is because we love basketball. We just decide not to coach. We decide not to play. I know I can't play, but you get what I'm saying, right? It's it's just a different part of the game. And, I mean, there's no no referees. I mean, the the domino effect is that because there's no games. Now, with you practicing and doing all these clinics, you still can't play. So that's got to be like a weird how does it square in your mind that you are, you're on the court, yeah. you're practicing, you're doing all the beats of a game, but we're not playing ever anytime soon. Yeah. It's like, it's hard to think about, you know, from a kid's perspective and especially where basketball has gone in like a travel world, you play so many games, kids play so many games. You can go one summer and play over a hundred games. And for me, I kind of liked it. Well, like you said, the hard part is having these kids motivated. You don't know what you're working for, mm-hmm. especially for, like, younger kids. They have no idea. You know, when, when you have a game on Saturday and Sunday and you have practice Tuesday, Thursday, yeah. like, you know what you're practicing for. And I'm even at St. Joe's, like, we're practicing now. We practice three times a week. And for me, the balance of, like, hey, what are we actually practicing for? Like, we, there's no one on our schedule. Mm-hmm. We don't have any games coming up. It's not like I'm putting in an offense or a defense. Mm-hmm. So that part is difficult. I think it's really good. It kind of set basketball. It might set basketball back a little bit, but for the good aspect of it is kids are just working on their skills. Yeah. Like, when not. Like, when we were growing up, like, we weren't playing. We were just playing. I just was. We would just play, or, you're like, if you went to a camp, like, you were just doing skill stuff. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to do an hour of skill, and then you're going to play open gym for two hours. So I think it's going to be, it's going to end up being better for the kids that they're just in here working on their game. And I, I think the kids that have been in the gym, they'll they'll see the results whenever, you know, we get back to normal and playing games. But for me, I like it, especially for the kids. But. Yeah, it's definitely good for a coach's coach. I know that um, Coach Vaughn at Kellenberg, I, I'm sure she would be 
She would love to do that. And what sucks about my school at Kellenberg is that it's a, it's basically a 300, 300 people class lecture hall. Yeah. So, I mean, JV basketball is just not the priority right now. You know what I'm saying? Especially like that school. It's like these kids pay for the experience of the school. And if there's something that's got to go, it's the athletic part. And that puts me in limbo too, because I think about, you know, AAU is that's like March, April, May, June, heavy. But what if, what if I got baseball? What if I got, what if I got like school basketball? So like everything is, and then on top of that, they talk about volleyball being in March. (laughs) I'm not going to ref at all then if that's the case. Um, So it's definitely been um, an interesting adjustment. Everything is such a fluid situation right now. Like, this yeah. could be, you know, not to say that they're not being safe here. I'm just saying that Governor Cuomo tomorrow yeah. can close everything down. And then one fell swoop, we're back to, like, March. And I definitely don't want to feel like that again. <laughs> no. That was, that was like, the hardest time. But it has definitely changed over the time, right? Like, now we've been in it, like, at least a year, almost a year now. During this whole time from, you know, when it was shut down to kind of opening to doing a lot of outdoor things in the summer and then still trying to relive that and then everything kind of slowly going and us coexisting until this present day when now they've announced the vaccine. What do you think you've learned about yourself during this whole time? Um, that I can never retire. I think I told my wife that the other day. I had like you know, obviously, like a work schedule wise, you know, we're only on campus, mm-hmm. you know, twice a week, three weeks, three times a week. And during Thanksgiving, I think I was off like six days in a row. I was losing my mind being at home, not just being at home, but not doing anything like I like to fill my plate and have a bunch of things going on at once. You like to be busy. Yeah. And this and was I, the great equalizer. Yeah. You don't have kids. Not yet. That's no. why. No, yeah, yeah, no. I know. Every, all the parents, like when it was going on, were like, we need to find stuff for our kids to do. Let's find stuff for our kids. But. For me, it was like I'm used to waking up and having so many things in my schedule that I'm juggling of like, right. am I going to have enough time to get over there? Am I going to mm-hmm. have enough time to go over there? You know, where I'm at, I need to be fully focused there. But I'm thinking about if I, I need to leave here at an exact time to get to my other place. So my schedule just wasn't as filled up as it normally was. Mm-hmm. And I think that happened to a lot of people. And, you know, they talked about like the mental health aspect of the pandemic and whatnot and I wouldn't say I felt it that much. Like, I tried to keep busy. I'm a hobby guy, so I do some hobby stuff. But What hobbies do you like? I'd like to hear my this. Hobbies, so, so my pandemic hobby was gardening. Okay. Horticulturalism is what you call it in Latin. Uh, sh- sure. <laughs> I couldn't repeat that word. but so Horticulturer. Yeah. I'm not, no? I'll say <laughs> it three say, times say slow. Say one more time. Horticulturer. Horticulturer. That ending's tough. Yeah, it is. So I was living in Queens when, like, right as it started. So I started my little garden indoors in a Queens apartment, moved out here to Massapequa, had a full garden in my backyard first year, bunch of peppers, bunch of hot peppers. So I did that. That kept me busy. Um, I got into like the sports card stuff, kind of going back as a kid, doing mm. a bunch of that stuff just to keep busy. Like I can't just wake up and be like, ah, let me throw the TV on. Mm. And there were no sports that's all I watch on TV, so. Yeah, I just watched the uh, task force meeting and got my popcorn. It was like the NBA finals every day to yeah. me. Yeah, the, but, uh, I mean, the bubble was great. The bubble was it. great. It was you know why the bubble was great? We were so starved from sports at that time. Yeah. And let me tell you, game started at 1-3. Oh. It was like, it was this is real life right now. And on top of that, they, they trimmed the fat. 
because it was only the top 22 teams. So mm-hmm. everything off gate was competitive. And we all wanted to see how in shape they were going to be or not. And they were all like ready to play. It Everyone was like was ready fire. Like, I remember thinking, like, oh, this could be a mess. And it was not. It was not. It Although was awesome. I remember like the first couple of games, you can hear the refs because they didn't get the, yeah. the right amount of crowd noise yet. Yeah. And they were. They were trying to figure that. There were some interesting things to see in those first couple games. Yeah. You could hear the players a little bit. You could hear the refs, the coaches. But, I mean, that was amazing. Just mm. It was almost like full like full access. You kind of get whatever you want. You got games all day. and I mean, that was awesome for me. This is how I know you're a detailed coach because you knew that fact about those first couple of games and the yeah. sound was different. See, I, it was definitely different. I knew you are a good coach. But um, <laughs> you obviously, since you were trading cards – during the pandemic and you've been fiending for sports and you've been involved with a slew of programs uh, for basketball. And you, you mentioned off here that you played baseball. You must've got your love of sports somewhere. So having said that, uh, where did you grow up? What did you play growing up? what did you play in middle school, high school and in college? So I grew up in Levittown. Um, I grew up mainly like baseball was my main sport. Most Levittown kids are like that. Yeah. I mean, Levittown's like a huge baseball town. So played a bunch of baseball growing up, you know, played basketball, played soccer, um, but baseball was the number one priority. You played at division? So I didn't go to division. Okay. I would have went to division. I chose, I shouldn't say I chose. My parents sent me to Holy Trinity. Ugh. So yeah, I know you'd be a Kellenberg guy. My wife went to Kellenberg. So it's. Why, why, did, why did you do, what, I don't know her name, what, why did you do that? So I went, me being from Levittown, I have. Four cousins. I have my cousins who like live pretty much like down the block from me. They're like about not even half mile away. The oldest one went to Trinity. Mm-hmm. She played basketball. She played lacrosse there. Really, really good athlete. And then her younger sister is the same age as me. She's like four days older than me. Okay. She was going there. She was a really, really good basketball player, good lacrosse player. My aunt really liked the experience with, with her oldest daughter. My mom was like, oh, you know, it's good education. You can go there. Now that I had a say in it. <laughs> I'm sure for a little while I thought it was cool to just, like, tell my friends that I was going to this, like, new private school. But, I mean, it was good. I, I liked that I went there. I still hung out with all my division people. Are you not um, proud that you went to Holy Trinity? Of course I'm proud. Okay. But, I mean. I would hope so. I'm definitely proud. I haven't really been back there in a little while. That's okay. I mean. But. You went there. Definitely a Titan. Yeah. Definitely a Titan. Respect but him. Levittown is, like. Levittown's big for me. Mm. Big Levittown guy. Did you play baseball at Holy Trinity? No. So I played I played baseball at Trinity my freshman and my sophomore year. And then I switched over and I played golf. Oh. Junior and senior year, which was like the best decision I ever made. That's a twist. Yeah. How did that happen? I mean, I was a big baseball player growing up. I don't I I was okay. Mm-hmm. I wasn't great. So, you know, you, you now you go to a bigger school kids from all over go to your school mm-hmm. my freshman year there was like 95 kids that tried out so I made my freshman team played a little bit here and there JV played a little bit here and there and my other buddy who I played baseball with we golf together all the time he's like why don't we just play golf like we're not going to play baseball in college like what are we doing <laughs> so I was like all right like just like that I'll give it a try and it was amazing. We played nine holes Monday through Thursday. Didn't practice on Friday. <laughs> I got much better at golf. I golf all the time now. So all right, well then that's that was a, a great decision. Yeah, that's a better move. Yeah. I just like how the ping pongs went. Your mom heard that there was a good experience from this person, so you're going here, and you're not gonna play 
college baseball, so you're going to do this. And now it yeah. works out for you. Yeah, now I'm, now I'm a basketball coach. <laughs> you're so a uh, golf-loving, holy trinity titan alumni. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I am. But. You know what's really funny? Just mentioning baseball. So all my freshman baseball games in the Catholic League mm-hmm. are so much more turned up than JV. Yeah. Freshman is like, that was the first time, and this was like maybe like four or five years ago, first time I ever saw like a curveball that deceived me 90% of the play being developed. And all, see, I never played baseball, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, I know how to referee. Yeah. I know that. So it curved and all the kids, like the the pitcher went off the mound and all the kids were like, yeah. And I called the ball because I, oh. I didn't follow it all the way, all the way yeah. through. Yeah. That was a freshman game. But then like the JV games are like, yeah. I feel like JV... And, like, I'm not a huge baseball guy now, so I, whatever I say baseball-wise, don't take it too strongly. But I feel like freshman year, everyone's excited. Like, if you're a freshman and you're pretty good at baseball and you're playing freshman baseball, like, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm still going to play varsity. I, you know, I still have dreams of playing baseball in college. And then when you're a sophomore, if you're not playing varsity as a sophomore, like, you know, are those those college dreams that you had, are those that realistic? Mm. You know, because if you're pretty good as a sophomore, you're getting pulled up. And then now who's on JV? Mm. You're like, I'm not on varsity. That's why. This is kind of exciting. Uh-huh. And as a freshman, you're just like a dumb 13-year-old just trying to have fun. Mm-hmm. But So I don't know. I mean, I guess that's kind of how I felt my sophomore year. Mm. On the flip side, the division varsity team is always really good. Yeah. I had a game with them. They were going for but They were so mean, though. They always had, like, these weird chants. Oh, yeah. So and, I was probably a part of all those chants. But every time I, like, do it, they're like, oh, my God, don't you ref basketball? And I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> that ain't me. And they're like, no, nah, it's you. I know it's you. Can't, can't yeah. escape anybody. But yeah, Levitt, Division was really good when I was in high school. And there was a part of me that I was like, oh, like I wish I played yeah. baseball on this team. But nah, but you're a Titan. But all my friends were there. and All my friends were on the team. So yeah. I was in the f- stands watching them and rooting them on. And like you said, I was probably – in on all those bad chants that we had. Were you on the, a golf team in college? No, no. Would you I play? Thought, you play anything collegiately? So I didn't play anything collegiately. I went to Nassau for two years, for two and a half years, then went to Malloy, graduated there, mm-hmm. and then when I was in college, I had started coaching basketball. Yeah, and how did yeah. that come about? How did, what planted the seed for that? I think it was really just me being surrounded by girls basketball growing up. So I mentioned my two cousins. There's four on that side. They all played basketball. My sister played basketball. I have another female cousin that played basketball, and it's just me and my other cousin who's a male. That's it. And mm-hmm. we're surrounded by women all the time. So watching their games, you know, you know, playing against them, whatever that means. And I mean, I probably got my butt kicked a few times, but I was always around their games, their high school games. And then when I decided I kind of wanted to get into coaching – I took over my aunt's, like, CYO team that my youngest cousin played on. So coached that, had a bunch of fun with that. And then my – there's a lot of cousins. But my cousin Allie was playing AAU with this guy, this guy Scott Lagas. And I had just asked him, I was like, hey, can I just be, like, your assistant on AAU? And he was like, yeah, sure. So I did that with him. And he, like – that was, like, my first mentor. So that was, that was great. That was a good year. He actually got thrown out of a game on purpose an AU game on purpose so I would have to coach because I was like 20 years old quiet kid I was just like trying to watch 
he gets tossed, and he's like, yeah, good luck, go ahead. So, and then from there, I just asked Coach Slater, like, hey, can I come coach with you at Lujai? And he was like, yeah, sure. So that's how I got to Lujai, and but. And you got your real education there and see how serious it could really be. That was, yeah, that was eye-opening for yeah. me, for sure. I, like, I went from CYO to. To, Yeah. It's a, a pretty, it's a pretty like when, good high school. It's like when 50 Cent got discovered by Eminem. Yeah, it it's like, oh, wow. Like yeah. I'm on Shady Aftermath I'm going to tell Slater you just call them Eminem. <laughs> would he get that reference? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Probably he not. Would, he would. He would. Who's He's, I forget who he likes, but every once in a while practice, he would pull it out and everyone would be like, what? Really? I'm trying to remember who, like, who he's a fan of. Jay-Z? Not Jay-Z. It'll come to me eventually. All right, just just shout it out. Spurt it out later and be like, okay. So, (laughs) just spoiler alert: if you hear just a rapper that gets interjected from Kerry's lips, then it'll be that's what 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 he remembers during the practices. So, wow, that is like a a big turn of events. And what I wanted to ask you, but you've already answered it, is that I used to coach at Kellenberg JV year uh, when I was twenty. Same thing, you know, wasn't varsity. And I couldn't do it, man. I just, I did not like the yelling. I just didn't feel like it was me. I didn't like the substitution patterns. I just didn't enjoy that. And on top of that, that year we were undefeated up until the championship game. So that was like super heartbreaking. You know, like when mm-hmm. you're 20, you're emotional. Yeah. And, you know, I'm surrounded by all these 14 and 15-year-olds, like, just like heartbroken. And it was like, ooh, I don't know if I have the stomach for this. Yeah. You know, like when this genuinely, genuinely sad is like crazy. And, and I think um, I always say this just from coaching volleyball. This time, I hate being undefeated. It is the worst. It's just it's just bad. I mean, it's not good, but you're, you're lucky if you're undefeated. Yeah, I've been undefeated maybe like four or five times like late. Yeah. And it just, I mean, we lose one game and everyone cries. Why are we crying? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Why are we crying? Tears. I always say like, I can't. De- I, I Why can't, are we crying? I can't deal with tears. Yeah. Tears are a no-no. But, I mean, my first year at Lujai, we lost in the state championship. So that was – and they had won the year before. So, of course, me being 20, I was like, oh, like I'm the new guy, and we just lost the state championship. We have three seniors. And I was like – and, again, like tears. And I was like, wow, this is emotional. Yeah. Like, and you get swept in it. Like, damn. Yeah, I mean, I was sad. Like, I almost started crying. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what am I doing? Nah, you're <laughs> crying, man. I feel yeah. you. Yeah, but – That's real. Yeah. That's how much you love it. And that's just a crazy break. Was there a specific moment that crystallized in, in your mind that said, you know what, I'm going to take this real serious? I know that I came from CYO and I wasn't thinking of it that way, but, you know, same thing for me, like refereeing. Refereeing, I started CYO, same thing. Until I met somebody in CYO, go, young man, you can go far. I'm like, far where? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you mean far, like further from my house? Like, I don't want to ref. And like, nah, you can go far. You know, you make more money if you get better. I was like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. So he started showing me the numbers for college. I went, oh, let me focus on those guys. But what was the moment that crystallized for you? Um, That's a good question. I mean, I knew from when I was like 12 that I wanted to coach. I think when I was like 12, it was more of like, hey, how do I coach baseball? Mm-hmm. But from that point, like I knew I wanted to coach. When it crystallized that I knew that I could actually do it was, and I remember this like specifically, was my it was my second year at Lujai. We were in the state, we were playing the state championship game, and I was sitting on the bench, and um, I just thought like, 
Like I could, I could be, the, like I could be doing this. I could be the head coach in this game. Like, wow. I, like I know what's going on. It was probably naive of me to think that, but like, and I remember I talked to my sister after that, at that game, and I told her like, I could have coached this game. And again, that's me thinking that I probably couldn't. But what did she think about that in real time? Um, and was that like a, a discernible flip from how people perceived you coaching at that point to? Like oh wow, um, he really wants this now. I think, I think when I when I first got to Luhai, like like my friends and my family were like, oh, he really wants to do this. Like I was telling people, I want to do this. I want to coach in college, and this is what I want to do. Like I don't want any other job. Like I want to be a college coach. And but I think when they saw how much time I was putting into it, like I'm I'm not missing no practice. I'm an assistant coach. Like I'm working my part time work schedule around basketball. I'm working it around AU. I'm missing things that I really enjoy doing to coach basketball. Like, we're traveling with Luhai, and I'm excited to miss Thanksgiving. Like, we're going to a tournament. I don't have New Year's plans because we're down in Miami playing in a tournament, and I'm really, really happy to be here while all my other, like, my friends are at a New Year's party, and I'm 21. Like, I definitely, I think my family was like, oh, okay, this is what he wants to do. And, I mean, they, they've they always been super supportive of me, mm. so. Mm. But I think that second year at Luhai was on, I was like, oh, like, I could do this. But, Aside from Coach Slater, who I'm sure has guided you to get to that point of, you know, just watching his habits day in, day out of feel, feeling as though, like, that's your calling, that's your vocation. Um, if you have any other mentors, who are they? What do you think they've done for your career, and how do you think they've shaped the way you've helped people after you? I mean, I have a ton. There's a lot. So, you know, Coach Slater's number one for me. Um, he taught me a bunch, kind of got me into the game a little bit. He's helped me out a ton, got me college jobs. And But, you know, John Lonazak who's here with Lightning. He runs the girls' side here. All the coaches that I worked for are huge. I mean, Scott Lagas did a, a lot of things to help me for that, even that one AAU year. Um you know, he's someone I can reach out to all the time and ask. He's the head coach at uh, Mercy College now. I knew once you asked me this, I was going to forget people. But I know. Um, just say that you're going to get in trouble because once you. Yeah, I know. Of course. Um, but just also just name it after you say the rapper, too. So then yeah. it'll just sound like <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's a remember, good transition. I that one too. But, yeah, I mean, my guy, Bill Ferrara, he's an assistant coach at New Mexico now. He was up here at Hofstra for a while, and he kind of got me the job at Florida owe him a lot. The people that I worked with at Florida, mm-hmm. you know, for giving me that opportunity to kind of get my foot in the door. And then Coach Meg Griffith, she's the head coach at Columbia. She gave me the job at Columbia right after Florida. So that was another huge opportunity for me. And, you know, the coaches there, you know, Tyler, Greg, Megan Rojas, those are like my close friends that I can kind of reach out to. And But that's like how kind of basketball works. And I'm sure refing is the same. There's, like, so many relationship stuff that goes on with it. Oh, yeah. Listen, so network much. is – some people try to skip that step, mm-hmm. and they think, like, your performance or just your merit is going to bring you to the promise. It's all about the relationships, too. Yeah. And and it really has nothing to do with, like, let me kiss somebody's ass. It's really, like, genuine, like, no, I see it in you. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull you up because I could see that you have the same motor and yeah. you're built for this. And that's, like – that is like something that you can't teach, and it's hard to preach that to somebody, especially like in the officiating game. Some people are just shy. 
Yeah, that's how I was. Like, right? I was shy. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. And I definitely thought that at one point when I, like, was at Lou High for, like, a couple years. We were winning a bunch of games. We were ranked. And I was like, dude, I'm really good at this. Mm. If we had college coaches coming to the gym, like, you know, Slater was always on top of me. Go introduce yourself. Go introduce yourself. And I'm a shy kid. I was like, I don't want to. But, like, that's how I got two jobs. Did he ever push you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And go, like, go. Go. Like, go. Go do it. Like, you don't want to do it. Yeah. Go do it. Um, he's done that a lot. And it was uncomfortable. Mm. And, but he talked about that a lot. We talked about it with kids. Like, you need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, like, I got the job at Florida because I did that with someone who came to Lujai. And I talked to him for a while. And I got the job at Columbia because... The head coach at Columbia was an assistant at Princeton, and she recruited a couple of our kids at Lujai, and I introduced myself to her and, you know, got to know her. And, you know, Coach Slater helped a bunch. But mm-hmm. but it was because I was basically did what he said and was a little, you know, felt uncomfortable, but you got to go do it. And so you think that's the number one advice that you would give other coaches that are up and coming and aspire to get to the highest levels that they possibly get, to get aggressive? yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that do it, and there's a lot of young young people trying to get into coaching that uh-huh. do it, and they're definitely way better than I was at it. Like, when you go – when I was at Florida and Columbia coaching college, like, you go to the Final Four, and there's, like, 500 hungry young coaches that are just like, I need to go to this spot because that's where coaches are going to be. I need to go reach out to these people and meet them and talk with them. And, you know, Bill Ferraro, who I was with at Florida, like – when I was getting ready to go to my final, first Final Four, he was like, I mean, he was like teaching us classes on what to do at Final Fours. Like, <laughs> introduce yourself, you know, find a coach that you like and go ask him questions. And I was like, I'm not finding head coaches and asking them questions. I was like, the head coach at Oregon doesn't want to talk to this 20-year-old kid who just had his first job at Florida as like an assistant video coordinator this kid doesn't know anything. But it turned when you start to realize that all these other coaches have been in the same spot you've been in. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, now it's my turn to help these people. Mm-hmm. And, like, my by the time it was my third Final Four, like, I had people that were, like, a couple of kids that were, like, grad assistants that were, like, reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> why are you reaching out to me? Like, he's like, oh, no, you're a young guy who came from high school. Like, how'd you get a college job? And... You know, now he's coaching college and he's doing his thing, but I didn't think, like, I was like, why are you asking me questions? I don't know anything. Like, I've gotten really lucky to be where I am, but but it's all about the relationships. It's all about who you meet and who can kind of help you out, and that's the nice thing about college sports, like, at least basketball, women's right. basketball. There's so many people that Oh, yeah. I lo- it's it's such a great ecosystem. I'm so proud to be part of the network. You know, when we talk about the network, too, you know, you also have to take a step to yourself and make sure that you're worthy of it, right? So mm-hmm. for me, and I'm just speaking hypothetically, if I knew the head of the NBA referees, that don't mean I'm refing in the NBA. Yeah. I got to deserve that. You know what I'm saying? So you have to be not a, a, of a certain ilk, but just, you know, just ready for that moment yourself, you know, whether that be, you know, not devoid of any, any circumstances that go on. But that's cool, man. That, that's, a, that's just a crazy, it's- crazy come up. I got really lucky in a lot of places. I was lucky to meet Slater. I mean, I met Slater because 
I tore my ACL and he rehabbed me. And then three years later, I went back and I was like, hey, can I coach? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure. So he just rehabilitated your life listening to a forgotten rap artist. Yeah, it almost came to me. I'm All right, you, you'll get there. We'll, uh, we'll explore that again. <laughs> I'm annoyed that I can't remember that. You'll figure it out. After everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a basketball coach? I was just willing to do anything. Like, I was willing, you know, my first year at Lujai, like, I was a volunteer. Didn't get any money. A couple of years at Lujai, like, you know, when you're coaching high school basketball, you're not making money. Um, and then I just decided to, like, bet on myself. Mm-hmm. Like, when I got the opportunity to kind of go down to Florida and work down there, like, I wasn't making any, any money. You know, I just moved all the way down to Florida, moved out for the first time, was like, yeah, I'm just doing this. So I was willing to do anything. Like, I, I remember asking coaches when I knew, not that I knew that I wanted to leave Lujai, but I knew I wanted to coach in college. Like, I was asking college coaches to just, like, take me. Like, I'll do anything. You need me to do laundry. You need me to clean bathrooms. Like, I'll do anything. I just need to get my foot in the door and, like, I'll take off. But That's yeah, like the, getting in the front door is the hardest part. Definition of betting on yourself for sure. So with St. Joseph, obviously we're at Columbia last year. How did that opportunity spring about and how weird was it getting that during a pandemic, not having a season? How have you been staying engaged with your uh, young ladies? I mean, to get the job at St. Joe's, it was interesting because I took the year. I left Columbia before last year. And like, I knew I wanted to coach, but I had just gotten married, and I knew if I took my next step in Division One, I would probably have to move far. Who knows where you end up? So I just said, all right, like, I'm going to go back to Long Island. I'm going to look at the Division Three jobs. I was looking at, I mean, every week I was looking at Farmingdale's roster to see if their coach was still there. I was looking at Old Westbury's roster to see if their coach was still there. St. Joe's, I was looking to see if their coach was still there in Nassau, Suffolk. And... One night I was doing my roster rounds and saw that St. Joe's didn't have a head coach. And I think it was like 12 o'clock at night. I sent an email. I was late to the party a little bit, but called everyone that I knew. Do you know anyone at St. Joe's? Do you know anyone at St. Joe's? Got a little lucky. Took some time. Got the job there and then lucked out. Got offered the job and then obviously in a pandemic. So that's a little weird. Yeah. You know, just trying to go back to, like, you know, having our girls kind of engage and stuff. It was definitely – it's definitely strange because the kids are on campus, but they're really not. You know, a lot of online classes. We're now allowed to have – we're allowed to practice a little bit. But, again, just trying to keep them engaged on, like, what we're working towards because we're not having games this year. So trying to figure that out and just making sure that they're – the nice thing about St. Joe's is most of our kids are from Long Island. All of our kids are from Long Island. Most of them are from Suffolk. So they all know each other. They hang out outside of school. Although we're trying to keep our distance with Corona and stuff like that. Because, you know, before this week we thought we were going to have a season. So we didn't want any issues with positive tests or anything like that. I think just making sure that they know that I'm here, our assistants are here when when they need them. What we're actually working towards what is the point of getting in the gym and me getting to know them, them, them getting to know me and just stuff like that, just making sure that you're on top of them and that you're around. Because it's easy for 
especially at our level, like for a kid to just go to class, go home, go to class, go mm-hmm. home, and oh, I have practice today. I'm gonna go to practice. Like I haven't talked to my coach since the last time we practiced. So just trying to keep them engaged, group chat and all that stuff, and just trying to find fun ways to kind of keep them engaged with each other. You know, they're all tired of Zoom by now. I believe it. So it's like, are I, you are you creative on Zoom or no? You're just like I, I have to be super so plain. much better. But they're so, I mean, they're so done with the Zoom stuff. So if we, ha- if like I have to do a Zoom meeting, it's, we're doing a Zoom meeting. I'm giving them, them the information they need. Good, you saw my face. I see you, like, get off the Zoom. Because they're just constantly, I mean, now with, the, with their classes. And I was creative at first with the pandemic. But now these kids are like, I'm not interested. <laughs> now they all sit there with their camera off. And they're like, hey, I'm here to listen. I know. Need. But I can't blame them because. Brutal. Yeah, I, can you imagine being their age going through this? I no. I could not. No. And it was worse for me because the cell phones aren't the way they are now. At least you're like endlessly oh, happy yeah. being bored. Yeah, you like look at Instagram and Twitter and I mean, yeah, we all take pictures of how bored we are. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. We're like, wow, they they look they're having more fun being bored than me being bored. Yeah. <laughs> it's so I feel for them on that end, but yeah, it's tough. I'd be remiss. This is the rant, and I definitely want to put you on notice at this point in time. Um, your perception of just playing sports, the whole duration of, of you playing, coaching all this time, what has your perception of refs been this whole time? It's definitely changed. Um, What's that mean? That means... Well, like, when I started, refs were the worst. <laughs> like, when I first started coaching, like... Me being young and dumb and naive, you just feel like that they're against you all the time. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely on our I, end. I hate it when... It's definitely when I, more about us. When I ref a game and it's like, they already bark. I'm like, why are you already adversarial? Like, be ma- yeah. be really mad at me first. and Not like, not start off like this. Yeah. Wow, okay, let's start off this way. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, when I was, like, younger in coaching, I remember, like, saying, like... You thought that's what you should do. Well, that's the other thing too, because you just you watch other see everyone just do that. Like, oh, I'm supposed to, like when they don't right. make a good call, like I'm supposed to yell at them, because that's gonna somehow get me calls later on. I think game. it's funny. If I was a ref, I would be laughing at coaches all day long. A lot of referees can't separate it though; they take it personal. Me, I'm just like, I have a website. <laughs> I'm yeah. right. So I love when when like if I get after a ref, and like he'll come right back, he or she will come right back at me, and then like there'll be a timeout. And then it's like it's nothing ever happened. Mm. Like, I'm cool with that. I reffed you a couple of times, right? Probably, yeah. You've never teed me up, though. I remember those faces. I don't tee anybody up. Yeah. Every technical foul that I've gotten, I've deserved, for mm. sure. I would never get to the point where I would have to call a technical foul on you. I mean, I just remember being, again, like, young and dumb, and, like, if I got a technical foul, like, not that it's cool to get a technical foul, but it, it almost made me feel like I was actually coaching. <laughs> and now that I think back on it, I'm like, what was I doing? Mm. And, like, again, you pull Coach Slater back into it. I remember he came to one of my AAU games when I was young, and I got a technical foul. And I think I remember thinking, like, oh, okay. He's like, going to like that. He's going to like that. And he ripped me apart after. He was like, you never know who's watching you, Coach. Like, if you're going to be an idiot and get a technical foul, he's like, you're better off just sitting there and not coaching. He's like, you look like an idiot. Damn. And I was like, oh, that is not what I was expecting. Yeah. But 
I have not gotten a technical foul in at least five years, so I'm mm. very happy about that. All right. Well, let's uh, keep that calm attitude by yeah, the time we uh No, yeah. Meet. Now I'm definitely way more calm arrest. I wouldn't their job is difficult. And you have to deal with us. Like we're we're I think it's all funny. I don't know. That's I a, think that's it's a funny. good way to go about it. I mean, I it's not gonna change my professionalism. It's just like yeah. stop. I I just know that when they say things, it's like they're not getting at me as like a husband or a father. Yeah, they're just I'm wearing the shirt and yeah, they're mad. You you, and yeah. and also you know what helps me too? I coach, mm-hmm. so I know what it takes to have a game plan and it to be disrupted yeah. by things you can't control. I understand yeah. that. And most of the time when we yell at refs, we're just mad at our kids. Yeah. Or like mad at ourselves. But it's also a natural reaction. And like we yeah. also have to be gentle and, and understanding of that because that's what it is. It's customer service. It's like we're, <laughs> yeah. we're complaining because we don't like the customer service right now. Yeah, it's supposed to be better that. than that. Um, what do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go? Um, where do I want to go? I mean, I want to win championship St. Joe's. Like that's for sure. I'm hoping that I can be there for a long time and really build like a really, really, really strong program and just build like a culture around that school and it be like a basketball school. Mm. I think we have the tools to do it. And I think there's enough kids on Long Island and at least enough talent at that level that you can do it. It's just creating the culture that's going to attract kids and attract parents that parents are going to trust me and my staff to kind of have their children there. And, you know, when you go to college, like, and you play basketball, the head coach is in charge of all that. Like now, um, it's a little different because we're a commuter school. So like you're still going home to your parents, Mm -hmm. but if you go away to school, like the head coach is your kid's guardian now. Like it's their responsibility. It's your kid's responsibility, obviously, but parents are sending their child off to kind of live under this head coach's house, pretty mm-hmm. much. So I think if I can build that trust up with just parents and kids can kind of see how we play and hey, I I want to be a part of that. And we have great kids too, so it's like I think I personally think we can do it. It's going to take some work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to take the right kids to come in though and build that culture. And we have all those kids here now. So it's definitely possible. That's ambitious. How long do you think, just how, how, what are you envisioning in your mind? How long is that taking? Not, it's always interesting. Like you don't want to come off as like too confident, but. No, no, no. It's, I don't think it's confident. You know, for, let's, let's put it this way. Mm-hmm. You know the amount of work it's going to take. Yeah. So when you give me a roundabout number, it's not coming from a place of like, I'm, you know, the work that it's going to take, and you're willing to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I got lucky that our program's in a good place right now. Coach Vicky, who was there before me, really did a really nice job of bringing in really good kids and good mm-hmm. players. So we do have good players. The hard work is going to be getting more of those good players and getting good people that we want to be around, and that can kind of represent our program how we want. But... I just don't see why it has to take that long. Like, if we bring in good kids this year, we have good pieces already. Like, why? I I thought if we had a regular year this year, we'd be able to compete and be not at the top of our league. We have some really good teams in our league. But in my opinion, I think we have probably the best player in our league right now. So, like, if we do a good job of developing kids and bringing in the right people, like, why can't that happen next year? 
or the year after that. You're ready to go. I'm definitely ready to go. You're ready to go. I mean, it's, I'm definitely ready to go. I think our girls are ready to go. Mm. I think they got like a small taste of it last year. At the end of the year, they had, they really finished off really well. I just hope we can kind of keep that same mentality through this strange year. Yeah. And kind of bounce back once we get back and, hey, like, we're ready to go. Aside from the coronavirus, what do you think is the most sticky situation that you've ever been as a basketball coach? Oh, sticky. And, and don't as tell a, me no stories that you already done told me. No, I, th- I think as an assistant coach, you're always in sticky situations. I think finding spots, because obviously the kids are always, not they're going to trust you, but they're going to go to you with things before they go to the head coach with things. Mm-hmm. And it's always trying to balance that line of, is this worth telling the head coach? Do I just fix this problem by myself? Is this even a problem? Or am I breaking my players' trust by going to the head coach? Mm. So it's always sticky. Like, you know, I even remember, like, you know, at Columbia, you know, some you know kids would come to your office and, you know, they're just trying to relax and just hang out. And sometimes you're like, what did you just say? <laughs> like, yo, we need to go to our head coach about that. And they're like, no, no, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. You're like, oh, we can't fix this buyer. That puts so, you in a bind. Yeah, and I think that happens a lot as assistant coaches. And like, if you're that's a fact. If you're a good assistant coach, you you balance that line really, really well. That balance takes a long time to master. Yeah. That's got to be a sticky situation too. Just unlearning the assistant coach role and, and ascending to see. I don't, I don't want no parts of being a head coach. It's just like now I got to be stern. Like I'm stern when I ref. Like, yeah, I want to know like. You just broke up with your boyfriend? Like, what's what's going on? That's like, that's how I coach. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that... You can't like, do that, though, when you're the head coach. That's just... It's, so, I, I agree with you, and... Unless you uh, patch Summit. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, no one's going to be as good as her, but... Or Muffet McGraw, or... I mean, Muffet, she's She probably good. knows about their boyfriends. Yeah. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. No, she's done so now, but... I mean, that's like... I mean, I always said, like, I've, I've, yeah, I've coached, like, AAU. I've been a head coach at AAU, but, like, I've never been a high school head coach. This is my first year being college head coach. But you own it, though. Like, you own it. I, I could tell you you wear it well. Like, you didn't, but you know what it is. I mean, I hope. I think I do, but, like, I was a, like, I thought I was a really good assistant because I was good at that stuff. Like, I, like, I But that's going to make you a good head coach because you can empathize with the assistant. So that's what I was saying, like, why can't I be kind of the same person? Like, why can't I do both? And I think at my level, you can. If you're a, a Division One head coach, like, it's difficult. There's a lot more stuff that you're balancing. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, you're representing a program, which I do too, but you're also kind of like a headstone in the program, like, in the school. Right. Being a head coach, especially these big schools. Like, there's just so much pressure on Division One head coaches that it's tough to be, hey – how was dinner last night with your, girl, yeah. your girlfriend or your boyfriend? Like, yeah. That's tough. Yeah, I was going to say that. You remember that documentary that they had with uh, UConn five mm-hmm. years ago? And Gino at practice was like, yo, <laughs> yeah. no wonder they're elite. Like, yeah, he gets really great yeah. five-star recruits. But, man, do they work. Like, they are ready for the UConn experience. I respect yeah. it. That's, respect it. I went, to, I went to one UConn game against Baylor. Maybe six years ago. Maybe it was longer than that. It was when Bernie Griner was a better. Okay. And I remember watching that game being like, in person, I was like, holy. 
this is insane. Mm. Like this is a different level. Yeah. Like I don't even I mean, know, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I don't even know what this yeah. is. Yeah. And now they all do those crazy euros now. It's like it's a crazy game. It's like it's really conducive to the women's game, all these new moves. Yeah. I mean, if you find a kid that doesn't do a euro. Yeah. I mean, I hope they can execute it first instead of just uh, most doing can, on the court. <laughs> the euro stuff is like a pandemic in the mm. women's basketball game, but I like that. I like that. Yeah. Um what is your best moment thus far as a basketball coach? My best moment? I mean, I don't know if I could say one, like, specific moment. Like, to me, a lot of it comes back, like, the moments you have with the players, you know, relationship-wise. One really cool moment that when I was at Columbia, just a, a speaking of a game, um, we went down, my last year at Columbia, we went, we went down to Mercer, the year before was like twenty eight and one. Mm-hmm. They had like a thirty four game home winning streak. It was my scout, and like of course I present the scout to my head coach, and she's like, "Can we win?" And I was like, "I don't think so." I was like, "They're fifteen points better than us," and we went down to Mercer and smacked them in their own building. We won by like, I, I think it ended up being a close game, but we were up like fourteen the whole game. And I remember going into the locker room at halftime, and my head coach like gave me the smirk, like, "You idiot, <laughs> we, we could win this game." And then we had like, I mean, it was a huge win for us. It was during I think like Christmas break. I mean, we went out after the game. We enjoyed it. It was, but like that's what I'm talking about, like the moments that we had after enjoying, yeah, it, like, yeah, with yeah, the yeah, coaching yeah. staff and the, the players, the, and like that was really, really fun. The unspoken beats of a team, mm-hmm. right? Like for me, um, all those moments, like before practice when you speak to them see how their day was and then uh, when they get their water break and see them working hard just like you know we, we about the business right now this is what this is yeah. what we're here to do and then just game days of just like the culmination of all that work just materializing to something that yeah is now a performance that you're hoping and you know it's just very tough being a coach especially like you know I'm sure you're past the point of like yo you just do it this way now you're just like you know that this player needs this. Yeah. This person you can yell at more. You know, and that's the things that you learn from an assistant coach, pushing and pulling, pulling and pushing. Yeah, how people receive different things. Giving this, pe- like, giving this person, like, she's got to be more compassionate yeah. to her. You, she's a pit bull. Yeah. Give it to a real. Mm-hmm. The relationship thing is, like, huge. Like, I remember when I left Lujai to go to Florida, people were like, oh, do you miss Lujai? And I was like, I don't miss, like, Lujai. I just miss the kids there. And then when I was at Columbia, like, when I left Columbia, that was really, really hard. And, like, I didn't miss – I shouldn't say I didn't, but, like, I wasn't missing, like, long road trips. Right. Like, I was – like, I really missed, like, the kids there. Like, like I I coached the point guards. Like, I really, really missed coaching the point guards. Like, I had a girl there, Janaya. Like, we were really, really close. Riley Casey, really, really close. Andrea McCormick. Um, Michaela Markham, like, when I went back there, like, I was like, oh, man, like, I really miss coaching you guys and just being around you guys and all that stuff. Like, that's what I really miss. I don't Yo, that high school energy, man, is like, it, it's reinvigorating mm-hmm. sometimes because you, you know, you you can tell them exactly what they need to do in order for them to get to the next level. Scratch that to be successful at the level that they're at. And it's just awesome to see that because, you know, I always try to right my wrongs of when I was younger especially in basketball, I just didn't have, like, the mental poise mm-hmm. to ever execute. Like, I could do it in practice and all that, but I wish I had, like, a coach like me now Yeah, that could just kind of give that confidence and, and, and you know, 
Yeah. So, but that's really cool, man. I, I think you're going to be super successful um, in all you do, especially at St. Joe's, and, and hopefully that you build, you know, by part two, we'll see that if your um, prediction came right. <laughs> I know. I, I would hate to just be, like, totally off. Yeah, we could just replay. I'll just send you the link of, of all the craziness <laughs> the that tidbits. you said on this. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of, when we are getting back, there is a vaccine now, which is crazy because we, like, fumbled the response, but now it's like the conclusion is like, oh, we have 50 vaccines. Yeah. Like, Fastest record at probably faster than, probably faster yeah. than fast. When do you think that all of this is going to end? Hopefully soon. I think... Like the spring, summertime will be good. But I mean, what, what the hell do I know? I don't yeah, know I, mean. I think um, not next summer, but the next summer? Yeah. Maybe January. I mean, I thought we'd be playing, like, I remember being in the summer, be like, oh, we got to get ready for fall. Like, let's be ready for fall. No. And then fall didn't happen. And then, I, like, I, two months ago, I was like, we're going to play. Like, no. we don't really travel. Yeah. Like, we'll definitely be able to play. And, like, Two weeks ago before we got canceled, I was like, how the hell are we going to play? Mm. We can't play. So, who knows? Like, yeah. I'm saying, like... Your guess is good as spring, mine. But yeah, I hope so, too. Who knows? I think it'll be great for people. But. Mm. My final question to you is that um, you've been an assistant coach for a very long time. You're finally getting your shot um, as a head coach. But all that has been centered around basketball. My final question to you is, what does basketball mean to you? What is it given to you in your life? Everything. I mean, seriously, like, everything. Like, I was an 18-year-old kid who was, like, pretty smart but had no idea what the hell I wanted to do with my life. Got really, really lucky that I kind of fell into Slater's lap. He kind of pushed me, and a bunch of other people too, but, like, the people that I've met through basketball are, like, my best friends. Like I can go off on a tangent of so many different people. It keeps me, it kept me out of trouble from when I was like 18 to 22 because I was probably a dumb kid. The relationships, I've said it a million times and I'll just keep repeating myself, but that part is huge. Um, it's made me so much of a better person. Like I always thought I was a really good person, but like the different relationships that I've built with different types of kids having I don't know how to put it but being aware of different people and coaching different people from different backgrounds has been huge for me like I'm from Levittown and I'm sure you know Levittown yeah like a little bit whitest town on the planet yeah but like I know one referee but his kid goes to Island Church Derek he lives in Levittown he refs here he lives in Levittown I'm trying to think of who Derek is. Well, he's black. Hey, listen, Levittown. <laughs> he does. Nice. That's the only one that I know. My When I was in high school, there was one kid. There was one black kid in the entire high school. I believe it. So, like, now, like, the, the racial stuff, like, I'm not years behind on that. Like, I've coached a lot of kids that have brought that kind of to the square point of, of, hey, like, we need to pay attention to this. Like, I worked for people that we're ahead of the game on that and like this is really really important so I think that would like basketball gave me that otherwise I would just be you know some white guy from Levittown you still are I'm still just, yeah, just a little course. flavor still, that's I'm, all I'm, I'm, I'm a little flavor, <laughs> but I, I think it's just it's opened my eyes to a lot of things and relationship wise it opened up 
so many different relationships, different roads to go down. And like it, you know, bet the people that I met in basketball had like made my dreams come true. Like I coached division one basketball. I wanted to do that since I was like 11. I don't know if I'll ever do it again, but I'm glad that I went there and like I proved to myself that I could do it because I'd have a lot of regret if I never tried doing it. Mm. And I'm just watching college basketball games. and I'm like, I think I could coach that, but I, I wouldn't know. So I, I, it's, it's huge for me. Basketball has given me everything that I have. So Damn. We're gonna, that, that was a nice wrap-up, and we'll both tie that. Tie it all together. Um, this has been a pleasure to speak to you about just your journey. I think it's pretty remarkable. You know, I feel the same way. Like, your Slater, that's, that's me and Coach Vaughn, and I'm still with her. Like, I, mm-hmm. I told her that. And we talk about this every time. The last season that we had, St. Anthony's was undefeated, and we beat them in the championship game. And I remember yeah. there was, like, this moment of weakness where I was like, I feel kind of bad that we beat them. And they were like, why do you feel bad? When they I beat never, us, they don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah, they don't and I was like, you're bad. right, you're yeah. right. But it's like every time we win those championships, so we're on our fifth, and we always look at each other at the end like, when do you think this is going to end? And I always say, well, when it ends for you, it's going to end for me. Yeah, I mean, it was the same with Coach Slater. Like, we really thought, you know, coming at the end of this year, like, hey, let's win a state championship together, and then let's get out. Like, we've done everything that we possibly could do here. And, of course, the pandemic ruined that, but that would have been really special to kind of – I personally think we would have won the state championship and just yeah. won that. I also then, wanted to see Luha Stepanak on the men, on the boys' side. The, the, the boys' program over there is insane. I wanted to see the rubber match. Yeah. They, they've done – I mean, watching those games, those guys. Oh, yeah. Now you just watch them play. Like, I watch Andre play at Illinois. I mean, I ref, They're playing right now. I refed RJ uh, two years ago. I was like, this kid is – and he, he looks so slow. Yeah. But he's not slow at all. It's – there's a lot of players that are like that. It doesn't make sense. Like, I feel like I'm faster than him, but it's like, wow, he just he glided moved, on the court. Yeah. And you could see in North Carolina. But shout out to yeah. them. I thank you, man. Thank you. Any, any final words you want to say before we part ways? Yeah, go Golden Eagles. When we get back, make sure everyone comes to our games. We want to pack that gym. You guys on with Nike? I mean, we're Division three, so we wear Nike. But it's not like... Okay. I was going to say, I'll take some St. Joe's Golden Eagles stuff. Hey, listen. We've got to get some gear out there. So All right, man. But Coach Connolly. Hey, man, I appreciate it. This is the Ralph awesome. the Ref. Appreciate you, man. This is the rant. We are signing out. Peace.